will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bed. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Hello and welcome to episode 411 of Fergon on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Joining me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find on Twitter at League Freak. How are you going there, mate? Going all right, Andrew, but you know what pisses me off is when you order Subway and they don't fucking deliver it. Yeah, and let's be clear, it's not Subway. It's fucking menu log. Yeah, it's not Subway at all. The good people at Subway... They're just making sandwiches. They don't know that's what's what, going on. That's what they do. Yeah. That's what they do. And I thought, you know what? I'll use menu log. They're associated with rugby league. Mm-hmm. I'll use them. And they betrayed me. They mm-hmm. lied to my face. Mm-hmm. And they left me hungry. So fuck you, menu log. <laughs> fuck you, menu log. That's the, they're the ones that have that singer on in that horrible advert, aren't they? That's Katie, the one, yeah. So. Katy Perry, yeah. Have you ever seen the video of Katy Perry where she's talking to Neil deGrasse Tyson and says he's mass related to science? <laughs> I haven't. And now I've got no desire to. <laughs> Seriously. It's, it's a good one. It's fucking hilarious. Um, oh, anyway, so we're going to talk about rugby league. And then after we've done that, we're going to do our round. What is it? 14 preview. Somewhere uh, around there. Yeah, it's Might around there. Yeah, round fifteen. 15. Round fifteen preview uh, for the National Rugby League. Um, thanks to our wonderful sponsors at Palmerbet.com. Um, they always deliver. They really do. They uh, they'll make you rich. Gamble responsibly, but Palmerbet.com will make you a freaking millionaire. Um, but you had you saw something on TV that that triggered you pretty hard today. Was it today? Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was now. <laughs> was this the was this the spud? Yeah, it was about the spud, and was he spud. was being talked about by uh, Glug Glug. That's right. Yeah, the spud was on on telly. Um, I actually didn't know about this because uh, you know I was working. I got home and I had a look, and um, Nadine mentioned that she saw the spud on her TV. And she was he was ruining her night. I can understand yeah. that. He does that. Um. But apparently he's on their chat. I don't know what he's talking about. No idea what was going on. Um, but I, w- I thought I'd go into the Fox Sports because every time you see some dickhead on Fox Sports, some other dickhead will write about it on the Fox Sports website. So you don't mm. need to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not really keen on look- clicking on articles on Fox Sports website anymore because it's garbage. But, yeah. you know, I do this for you people. Yeah, you take um, the bullet for our listeners, basically. I, I do, I do. And uh, James, James Glug Glug's been on there. Um, I, was, I was actually I was going to call him Glug Glug. I was going to call him Broom Broom. Broom Broom? Ah, yeah, bro. well, he can't anymore. I know. That, that's kind of part of the joke, I guess. James okay. Broom Broom. Um, what we need is a little bicycle, you know, the little bicycle ring rings. Yeah. Ding, 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 Yeah, ding. yeah. Kind yeah. of like, actually, Mitch Moses might be hooking him up because he used to work for Deliveroo. Do you reckon Mitch Moses had, like, a really expensive bike? I could see Mitch Moses being like, okay, I'm going to work for Deliveroo, 
but I want to have a really nice bike. And he gets like a $1,600 bike that he probably still hasn't paid off with on delivery. It looked yeah. a bit like he had his sister's bike. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm no. sure the seat is probably a little bit more comfortable. It, yeah, it probably is. Especially for him. Um, <laughs> so, Hooper here has said, Pasco cheerleaders, just embarrassing. I'm going to read what he's written here, so you don't need to click on the link. Okay. Give me a spell with the Pelicans trying to defend West Tigers' invisible CEO, Justin Pasco, around the second Michael Maguire. First of all, Hooper, Pasco is, is, is as invisible as you are quiet. He loves being on TV. He loves being on radio. He's got himself in front of any camera or bloody microphone that they willing to stick in front of him. He loves it. He was on Fox Sports tonight. Don't call him invisible, you moron. He was on there. Also, all of the people that are cheerleading him, they're all uh, his work colleagues. Like, yes. it's, it's just look to the side of you. Blah, blah. <laughs> it, it's the dudes around you. Why are you fucking yeah. arguing at us about it? I don't know. Have a quiet word with the people you see every day at the bar till closing time. I don't know if he can do a quiet word. That's a good point. You can never loud word with him, though. Never loud. Imagine, imagine him playing Chinese whispers. He would be the worst. You're allowed to say Chinese whispers anymore? I don't Is know. That... I assume so. Yeah. Anyway, imagine him playing Chinese whispers. Sorry, carry on, Andrew. You carry So the reality... I find that amazing uh, that um, Hooper knows about reality. Um, the reality is it's now seven years and counting that Pasco's allegedly had control of the steering wheel at Concord without a single finals appearance. Mm-hmm. Why is that, that allegedly? Years, it's a fact. I mean, that is pretty much factual. Yeah. Yeah. Does, he, does he know what allegedly means? Uh, it's it's a word he uses when he's not certain. <laughs> <laughs> Because he hasn't done any research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was either that or Google it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> in that seven years, the Tigers have sacked two coaches in Jason Taylor and Maguire, as well as making the Pasco-led, ill-fated Ivan Cleary play. Well, yes. Yes, they have. Um, don't get us started on the treatment of club legends Robbie Farah and Benji Marshall. Don't get me started on Fox Sports treatment of Robbie Farah. By the way, and just as a side note here, I was told that, and I didn't see the game in the week and the West Tigers played him, I was told that Brett Kamali was in the coach's box and with him was Tim Sheens and Robbie Farah and a bunch of other people, including Michael Maguire. I didn't see Michael Maguire in there. Okay. Um, yeah, Hooper thought it was... He, I, I saw the post-match thing, and Hooper was getting all been out of shape because Robbie Farr and Tim Sheens were in the coach's box with Brett Kamali. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just... Farr is usually down on the sideline. Well, I'm just you thinking... You never see Tim Sheens in there, and I mean, gives a fuck, seriously. Well, the thing is, like, Robbie Farrar, it, like, who had allegedly said something, I don't know, that means I don't know. I don't know if Robbie Farrar said something about Michael Maguire, but it... People saying that he had, but you and me were like, who gives a shit? But then in the heat of the moment and stuff, and I think he was just questioning what Maguire ordered. 
And it wasn't <laughs> yeah. because he thought Maguire was shit. It's probably because Farrah had a different opinion. And, I mean, Farrah's a bloke that wears his heart on his sleeve. He'll say shit. Um, he'll apologise for it to that person directly, face-to-face, because that's what he does. And both parties move on. He did that with Mick Potter. No one fucking believed him until, you know, Gordon Tallis raised the fucking story 18 months later and the stupid fuckwit running the club at the time, Grant Meyer, just decided to park both those people in front of a fucking bus. Far yeah, and that was so and, let, and just let the media eat them alive. Yeah. Um, and there was no leadership of the club, so Farrah ended up taking on that leadership of the club when Meyer should have done it. Um, and fucking Matty Johns and his mob of dickheads all went out there and started fucking harassing Farrah over it, and there was all these bullshit stories come up about Farrah sacking coaches all the time, which is just nonsense. Here's um, the thing, though, right? If I mean, he's done nothing to play it down either. They're happy to go with that angle. They'll joke, make jokes about it and stuff. If I'm Brett Kamali, and Brett Kamali has no power because he's an interim coach, mm-hmm. and his his thing runs until the end of the the season. I don't want Robbie Farrer in the room. I don't want Tim Sheens in the room. Like either I'm the coach or I'm not. I don't need all of these other people around me. And I just think how many times, uh, and we're getting right away from this article, but I just wonder how many times there's got to be all this noise around Robbie Farrer before somebody says, fuck Robbie, just fucking like this isn't the environment for you because we don't need this fucking shit going on around us. It's bad enough we've got to try and win football games and we don't know how to do that. That's, that's the thing. That's media-generated bullshit. I think the fact that Robbie Farrer is there means that people within the club understand genuinely what he's like and what he can bring. And if he was any sort of drama, they wouldn't have him there. Mm-hmm. But he's obviously very good at what he does. Um because they wouldn't have hired him in the first place. Uh, I just think I would have preferred Farrah to be on the sideline because, I mean, he's running messages to the players. He's not going to be able to do that from a fucking box. Mm-hmm. That's the only issue I've got there. I don't mind Tim Sheen's being in the box for the first game for Kamali um, because, you know, Kamali hasn't run an NRL game before, so there might be certain things you've got to do and say and people you've got to talk to and stuff like that to get orders out and how to do it and when and stuff like that. So Sheens will be able to help guide Kamali in that. You know, he's only got to do it for one or two games and then he'll disappear again. So that's awesome. I don't see it's going to be anything other than just, you know, a little bit of coaching on how to run things um, and then he'll disappear. I just didn't understand why Farrah was there. He's he's a sideline guy. He's your conduit between the coach and the players. He's not going to be able to do that when he's up in the box with the coach. Yeah, what the fuck? He runs the yeah. water, you know. Yeah. I, anyway, I'm sorry, I took you away from this article, and I apologize. That's fine. Um, but as far as treatment of, of Robbie Farah, I mean, yeah, the club treated him badly because you know they went through that whole process of getting Jason Taylor and then trying to fuck Farah over after they agreed to pay him a huge chunk of unpaid salary from seasons gone by. They gave him this big contract and went, oh, we don't want to have to pay all that now. Um, that was a large reason why they were trying to push him out to South. And I think Robbie um, has done all right out of the West Tigers, hey? Of course he has. Of course like, he has. What the fuck? And look, he came back on the cheap as well. He didn't come back looking for more money. He came back on the cheap, and he didn't need to. Mm. Um, 
I've got no issue with him. I don't think he's done anything wrong by the club. I think the club's treated him shit, and the fact that he's still willing to go there and, and help as a coach shows where his heart is. Um, and I wish there was a bit more um, passion for the club from people above him. Sadly, there isn't. Um, Benji, I don't think the club treated Benji that badly. Benji got pissed off with him back in, what was it, 2014 or something like that, and he pissed off to Rugby Union. And, I and that get was it. all over. Totally that was all it. over a contract. Yeah, yeah. And, like, Benji Marshall, you know, he carried that frigging team. He'd been the best player in the world at one point. And, you know, I you could see that was coming. Yeah. And it just it went poorly. And, yeah. you know. I think that the treatment of Farrah was far worse than what the treatment of Benji was. Benji's was kind of part his own doing. Um, but it wasn't as bad. Um, he goes on to say, what makes it even worse is the fact that the only time Pasco has made headlines this year was by taking a week's annual leave to head to the Northern Territory after the Tigers had started the season 0-5. and five. Leadership, not so much. Uh, because Hooper knows all about leadership. It was bad he, when he went on holiday, though. Like, Yeah, you know what? I I blew up about it. I'm I'm I've said all along he's not he's not running this club he's never run this club because the club doesn't have a leader he runs finance side of things and he does that bit okay um but that's it that's his thing I don't want to talk about this fucking idiot little <laughs> fella has a little bit of a complaint I think he's going to be a Tigers fan oh don't do that to him <sighs> to give him some something to look forward to on a weekend, you know? You're telling me whinging about the Tigers is nothing to look forward to? I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. That was that was his whinge. Um, I don't know what Pascoe was doing on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had very little interest whatsoever in finding out. Mm-hmm. Well, there's nothing he can say. Like, he could – there's just nothing at this point that the West Tigers board or the, the CEO could say that, first of all, they haven't said a million times before anyway, but secondly, none of it matters until they actually do something positive with the football club. They don't and know they, how. They can't do – yeah, exactly. They don't know how. It's – it's uh. They all just need to go. Until one of them says, I resign, I don't really care what they say. It's been interesting because they've been obviously linked with Cameron Sorrell, though, mm-hmm. and apparently he did a tour of the facilities, or the soon-to-be-built facilities. I wonder mm-hmm. how many coaches have seen the West Tigers' um, amazing, yet-to-be-built centre of excellence. <laughs> look, look. I've been there. How would you do there? a tour? Actually, we should we should ask you how how did you find the yet to be built center of excellence? It was like um, going inside a spaceship. No, no. <laughs> stepping into the future. It was it was kind of like uh, stepping into a dream. <laughs> being at the back of a caravan park in the <laughs> off season where they parked all the caravans oh, close to one another. I was gonna say, is it kind of like there's there's a section in um 
Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah. At the start, where the redneck guy has to go to some bikey hangout area in a Caribbean park and blow the whole thing up. Is it kind of like that area? <laughs> it's it's like that, but a little bit more organised, uh, <laughs> but far less business hey. acumen around the area. <laughs> so it was an entertaining walk around the future, dream slash place that does doesn't quite exist. It was, you know what, if. If I was a club that was trying to get a coach, and, and we've seen the facilities Penrith have, they're pretty crazy. They're, they're really, really crazy. Um, and I was trying to get a coach from Penrith, and they said, oh, do you mind if I can check out the facilities? I'd be like, oh, man, it's cra- It's just crazy. We're landscaping, and we won't be able to show the facilities until – I don't know, sometime next year. Is that all right? Like, I would not take him there because it would be uh, disheartening. That's that's fair enough. Yeah. That's fair enough. Do you think he'll take a five-year offer at the Tigers? I think that he is going to stay at Penrith, and I'll tell you why. Because the West Tigers have the worst job going. Uh, I think there's going to be jobs opening at Newcastle, which is probably one of the worst jobs going. I think there'll be a job opening at the Warriors, which I don't think he'll take that either. But I think there'll be a job opening that will come up at the Gold Coast Titans, which wouldn't be too bad. And obviously there's that Bulldogs job that might come up, which I think wouldn't be bad if you got rid of Phil Gould out of there. Um, And outside of that, look, I... Ivan Cleary has a problem with a, a leg infection and he has had a number of weeks off this year alone. And the weird thing about when you've got an infection like that, it either starts healing up or it doesn't. And if I'm Cameron Seraldo, and I'm not saying he's going to be doing this in some sort of nefarious way, but I'm I'm sort of looking at this situation where I might have to take over the coaching of the Panthers on a medium-term basis. And I think that the club would compensate him for that as well. So I, I just think he's in a perfect situation right now where he can pick and choose. And I, I think because of that, he won't pick the West Tigers. Unless he says, look, I want five years guaranteed and I want to be one of the highest paid coaches in the game and I want rid of Sheen's. I want my own coaching. And he just lays out so much stuff that if they're willing to give him that, he can't turn it down. Yeah. I <clears throat> I think the, the Tigers have shot themselves in the foot so many times with coaches mm-hmm. that they're going to have to pretty much hand whichever coach shows a snippet of information, uh, sorry, interest in the club there. They're going to have to give them a blank check. Mm. Mm, and yeah, to the I point agree. where if a coach comes along who is reasonably talented and says, okay, I want to hire some assistant coaches. I went, sure, no worries. Who are you going to hire as assistant coaches? He says, right, first assistant coach is going to be Malcolm Maguire. Mm. Second assistant coach is going to be Mick Potter. He's doing very well over at the Bulldogs, have you seen? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I want to get Terry Lamb back at the club as well. Coaching the lower grades because 
he was a very good low grades coach before the West Tigers signed him. Mm. And I think th- those three people can get us back to where we need to be. And the club's going to go, holy fuck, we have to say yes to this. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, and I want a, such a long contract that if oh, yeah, you. 10 years minimum for all, if, like, all, all of us? Well, five years, I was like, well, that's reasonable because if they're going to get rid of you after two and a half to three years, you're getting a, you are getting a payout, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what it has to be because they've put themselves in this position. And I would make sure that, yeah, that is going to be at least a million dollars a year as a coach. So if they sack you after two and a half seasons, that's two and a half million dollars they've got to pay out and the club doesn't want to do that anymore. Yeah, exactly. So you've got to put the club in the corner, not be the coach that gets put in the corner. Yeah, and I think that um, there's there's been – I mean, Maguire, when he went there, it was a bit of a surprise, but it was, you know, it was a good get to get a coach of his calibre. But a lot of the other coaches that they've had since Tim Sheens have been – a bit lucky to be there, I would say. Look, Potter wasn't too bad. The last time the Tigers had a genuine, visible, and somewhat reasonably effective defensive structure was when Mick Potter was there. Yeah. Um, he's seeing at the Bulldogs now. He's only been there a few weeks, and you're already starting to see their defensive line is staying intact. It's keeping its shape. It's moving as one. Mm. The West Tigers did the same thing. He keeps it simple, but keeps keeps them all working together. And the attack is very basic, but it is also very effective. And that is essentially forwards run straight, not sideways. They don't try and get offloads away unless they really can, but it's all about going straight and post-contact meters. Keep pushing hard. Keep that defense on the back foot. Eventually you wear them out. Mm. They'll get ragged, and then you can score points where you need to. Um. The game they played on the weekend against Parramatta was a perfect example of the way Potter coaches teams. Yeah. Um, the Bulldogs have the 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 front row, their middle forwards. Um, they've got the front rowers to make that work. That's the big thing. Um, so if they can keep doing that, they're going to be tough to stop. As much as it's a simple system, Sometimes the simplest things are the hardest things to break. Um, yeah. So they they can be an absolute headache for a lot of teams coming into the uh, you know back into the season now. Yeah. Well, like you just look at the way Burton plays, and Burton's a fantastic player. Um, you know, and Ado Carr is as good as he's ever been. Um, I actually had a debate with uh, Elliot Richardson on uh, on Twitter a couple of weeks ago in terms of. Uh, the statistics for Addo Carvis, the the wingers that were picked for New South Wales. And, you know, I'm of the opinion that if you are playing really, if you're playing well in a poor team, that says more to me about you as a player than being good in a good team because it's pretty easy to be good in a good team. And we've seen so many players who have been dragged into rep football because they're at the right place at the right time. And then when that team starts going not so well, you tend to see that player play not so well either. Addo Carr's gone to the worst team in the competition, and he is still Josh Addo Carr. He is yeah. still the most dangerous guy on the field. He's going in and doing work. He's very good defensively. Like, there's just so many things that he does every single week in a really bad side. 
And I think when you saw in that performance on the weekend where, you know, he's he's just electric and it's like, he, yeah, he's been doing this all year. Like, it's not like he has only one or two tries this year. He's got, a, like, I think it's nine tries or something in the worst attacking team in the comp. Yeah. You know. And he's doing, he has been playing very well. Yeah. Um, scored a brilliant intercept trial where he just, he knew that pass was coming. Mm-hmm. And he just stood in exactly the right spot and plucked it out of midair. It raced away. He, he read that play so well. He was a long way in too from from his wing, but he just knew that that ball was going to come out there. Um, yeah. Uh, shall we get into the preview, or should we do a little bit more footy talk? I don't know which one to, which one you well, want to go to. Let's let's start our previews because I think that that's going to lead us into a lot of footy talk. To be honest with you. All right, um, sounds good. And we can go through some. So, palmerbet.com gives us our odds every single week. Uh, thank you to Palmerbet. Remember, gamble responsibly. Um, and let's get stuck into it. So the the first game of the round, St. George Illawarra Dragons host the South Sydney Rabbitohs. The Rabbitohs are favourites at $1.45 to St. George's $2.78, and the line has been set with the Dragons having a a five-and-a-half-point head start at $1.90 with five-and-a-half-point handicap. South Sydney are at $1.90 as well. And you kind of look at this game and you think, oh, man, the Rabbitohs should smash them. But like a lot of these games this weekend, they're not too far apart on the ladder. No. Um, the big issue here that I've got is Ben Hunt has a very, very good kicking game. Mm-hmm. And Sounds have got Cody Nicarima at fullback. Um, he's just one of those blokes at fullback. You go, mm, not too confident. Mm-hmm. Um Zach Lomax had an absolute dog shit game last week, and I've never seen him put two bad games together. So I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out and he's uh, immensely better. Um, I expect Hunt and Lomax to be working together a lot better and probably channeling down that right side a lot more. Um, McCulloch will be playing, I think, his 300th game. 300, yeah, yeah. Um, He's actually been brought into the starting side, so Moses and Bo has been moved to the bench. That's actually going to help the, the Dragons go forward an awful lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then against that is the fact that they moved Jack DeBellin to prop. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know about that one, hey? <laughs> I don't get it. Um, so, uh, South have got largely the same team. Um Blake Taft comes into the side for Marmozellos, and that's pretty much it for the Dragons. Ravalawa returns on the wing. Um, yeah, that's the only real big big name change there. So, are you going for the Dragons? It sounds like you're going for the Dragons. I think this is the game that the Dragons can win. I yeah. think South should win, but... I'm gonna put my balls on line and go for the Dragons. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for South, and I feel like I'm gonna regret it, but I'm gonna stick with South for that one. 
Um, now for the first game on Friday night, we've got the Manly Warringah Seagulls. Uh, they're hosting this game at their cursed stadium. The ground is sour. They're taking on the North Queensland Cowboys, the Cowboys favorites on palmerbet.com. They're at $1.55 in the head to head. The Seagulls are at $2.47. Not a bad price for them. They've got the four and a half point head start at $1.90 while the Cowboys with the four and a half point handicap are also at $1.90. I, I, I tell you what, the way the Cowboys are playing, like if you put, if you looked at them even this point last year and you said, you know what, the Cowboys are going to be like the third best team in the competition next year and it's going to be a bit of a gap between them and fourth, no one would believe you. We were laughing when they signed Chad Townsend. Yeah, yeah. We he's, thought still, he's, still not, he's still not a great halfback. No, he's not good. <laughs> he does. He does just enough of what he's capable at to complement the rest of the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's he, it. But he kind of he doesn't just, run the ball. No, nah, he, he kind of barely gets the job done. Yeah. But it's enough. It's enough. Um, yeah, this is, this is an interesting one. So Cherry Evans returns to this game, mm-hmm. um, which is a big bonus because... Even though Manly, um, you know, dealt with the Tigers last week, it's not like it's a hard job. Um, Foran was dog shit at halfback. Uh, Manly's kicking game was atrocious. Um, it was all their props. Oh, their really? props, the props got them not just making meters because the Tigers were looking like the better team at halftime, mm-hmm. but the Manly props were steamrolling through the middle. They were running so much fucking harder. And they got um they got they got the the um the Manly team on the board. They weren't scoring tries from kicks. They got tries through Aloi scored one try uh, two tries running straight through the middle, like close to the line. And Ola Kalatu did exactly the same thing, just steamroll through the middle, close to the line. Um simple, easy plays. Uh the one try Ola Kalatu scored was he was standing at first receiver, not expecting the ball, like mm-hmm. seven or eight metres from the line. And they passed the ball to him. He's like, okay, I'll run now. He was flat-footed. He just stepped off his left and then ran forward and then just bumped off one guy. And, oh, look, here's the try line. Just put the ball in. There's a try. <laughs> I think um, he's really underrated as a player. Huh? Oh, massive underrated. He's a big human, runs hard too. Alloway had his – he's been pretty average for most of the time he's been at Manly, but he really – Really lifted his game. Um, no stupid penalties. Um, hard straight running. Good in defence as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was he was very very solid. Uh, I'd I'd like to see Ben Trebovich on the bench. I think he needs a bit more game time, and I think he offers a hell of a lot more than Dylan Walker does. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. He he just he needs the reps in first grade. I don't know why they're not giving them to him. Um, oh. Physically, because, he looks like he's ready for it, too. It's not oh, like yeah, yeah. it's one of those plays that you look at and you're like, oh, he's maybe not physically ready at this level. So I don't know why they're holding him back a little bit. Yeah, I think um, Hasler's blooding him a little bit too slowly. I think he's ready to go. Yeah. Um, for the Cowboys, um, Ruben Cotter returns to prop. I think he was just rested last week. Yeah, he was. Colin Hess moved back to the bench, and Nanai is back as well. Um, 
Yeah, there's a few little changes there. Don't be surprised, too, if their new recruit, Luciano Leilua, is named probably on the bench. Um, the Tigers released him on Tuesday, effective immediately. He he really he could be a real big big X factor. Like I don't know about you, but he changes the Cowboys to a team that I'm a little bit like, oh, now I'm paying attention. You know, because in a we haven't seen him in a good side, and no. we've seen him in a bad team be the best player in the field many, many times and do things that if he was on the back of good go forward, it would be really terrible to have to try and shut down. And um, I just think that in that path, he's going to make them so much better. It's it's going to be really interesting. See, and he's there in plenty of time too, so that he's going to be able to get to know his teammates, how they all work and all that sort of stuff for the finals. Yeah, um, the funny thing is he's going to be what Cohen Hess should still be. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. Does that make them one of the best forward packs in the league now? Like, it's getting there. Yeah, uh, Jordan McLean, Reese Robson, Ruben Cotter, uh, Lemuelu, Nanai, Tomalolo, Hess, Tanoa Brown, very underrated prop as well. And then you throw in, um, yeah, you, you throw in Luciano Lalua there. I wouldn't say they're best, but I'd say they're very underrated. Yeah, I would say, I would quite say a dangerous. This second skilled pack, second best pack in the game behind Penrith, and, and Penrith is a little bit weird because they're kind of like the Terminator. They just it's like fifty seven of the cunts and they all just turn up and they don't <laughs> stop for two hours. Um, so they're a bit weird, but yeah, I reckon that the Cowboys have the second best pack in the comp now. Yeah, definitely very. Yeah, you know, varied skill set amongst mm. their forwards, which is exactly what you want. Yeah, yeah. Um, who are you who are I, you tipping in this one? I think it's gonna be close. I will see, I'm I'm probably a long way behind the tipping, I'm sure I am. So I'm gonna go with Manly on this one. Okay, I'm going for the, the Cowboys for this one. The other thing I wanted to say too, mm-hmm. um with Tom Travorbich being out, I think a lot of people expected Manly to drop off an awful lot. Um, understandably, because the amount of improvement in performance last year when he when he was playing up to when he wasn't was off the charts. Yeah. But this year, Ruben Garrick has started to figure out how to be a support player when running at fullback. Yeah. When he was filling in last year and um, even early in the season, he was just being a winger. So he just catch the ball and then do kick returns. But the last few weeks, he's actually started chiming into the back line really well. Um, not as well as Tom Drewage, obviously, but he's getting the job done and he's linking, starting to link rather well with the uh, the outside backs. Um, so he's starting to find his feet in that role and it's starting to show with Manly not being completely dreadful and still being able to win games without Tom being there. And it's that's making them a little bit more dangerous. Yeah, they don't, like I said, like they don't fall apart anymore. Yeah. And... It's inter- I'd, It'd be interesting to ask him, like, does he? How does he look at it? Because my guess is he probably looked at it uh, before when he'd step into that role as like I, I'm just trying to fill a gap. Whereas yeah. now it really seems like he's like I'm the fullback now, you know. Um, 
and, and it's just maybe it's a mindset thing because I don't think there's anything in terms of his skill set. Like he's a really good player. He's always been a pretty handy player, but he he's definitely has worked on that sport play aspect and it makes him more dangerous and everyone around him more dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, yeah, are you ready for the next one? Yeah, as I say, next one, yeah, Melbourne versus the Broncos yes, on Friday. So the Melbourne Storm at home, uh, favourites in this game. They're $1.15 on palmabet.com. The Broncos are out at $5.50. Uh, the Broncos have a 15.5-point head start at $1.90, and the, the Melbourne Storm are at $1.90 with 15.5-point handicap. Um, Storm are a little bit off-kilter at the moment. And I don't know what to make of it. They're still very good, but they're not the storm we've seen before. And, you know, the Broncos, when they hook it up, they're really damn good. I don't think they're going to win this game. I'm going to tip the storm. But I could see where the Broncos make a game of this. Yeah. um, The storm had initially named Pappenhausen an extended bench but uh, he's been admitted due to COVID. Yep. Uh, so he's not going to be playing for another two weeks anyway. Um, yeah, the what the Storm has missed is the the attacking spark that Papenhausen brings at the back. So it means a lot more of the attack is now running through Munster and Hughes, um, which is not an issue for those two. But I think both of them, especially Munster, had just got comfortable knowing that if he wasn't feeling like he was going to be able to get the job done, he could just dish the ball to Papenhausen and just let him do it. And I think when he realised that that wasn't the case, um, he started to pick up his game. That was just before Origin won. And then in Origin, obviously, um, fucking nailed it. Mm. And I think he's now in that, that sort of form now that's going to make him so dangerous he can carry this team on his back to easy, comfortable victories. Yeah. Uh, the Broncos are going to be without Adam Reynolds, and that hurts them a lot. I see. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Forget everything I said about the Broncos. They're stuffed. <laughs> He's <laughs> got a buggered rib. Uh, uh, that, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how long that's they're, going to keep him out for. They're still going to be okay, but they've got Tyrone Roberts, who is... He's a solid seven, but he's not a game-winning or a game-breaking seven. Yeah, he's, he's not a first-grader anymore, which is fine. Mm. But, yeah. but, yeah, pretty really good backup player, though, at seven. Oh, absolutely. Um, um, handy goal-kicker, too, which the Broncos have sort of been, you know, not quite confident on with goal-kicking. They haven't been too bad, but you just – you don't feel full of confidence whenever they're having a shot at goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Roberts is a little bit safer there. Now, the first game on Saturday sees the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks taking on the Gold Coast Titans. The Titan uh the sorry, the Sharks are favourites at one dollar twenty on palmabet.com. The Gold Coast Titans are at four dollars fifty. The Titans have a thirteen and a half point head start at one dollar ninety. And with the thirteen and a half point handicap, the Sharks are also at one dollar ninety. Um, I'm still tipping the Sharks. I, I have zero faith in the Gold Coast Titans. They're overdue to sack their coach. Yeah, um, Sharks have named a big bench 
And they've also got Finnegan on the extended bench, and I wouldn't be surprised if he comes into the side as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got, on the bench, they've got Tolman, Tig Wilton, and Andrew Fafita. Wow. That's a big, and, and Wilton and Fafita especially, they're skillful with the ball in hand as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Fafita is not the same player he used to be, but he still does have that um, a really good offload on him. He, you know, he's got a, a long reach on him, so he's he's able to get his arms out and get good offloads away, not shit ones either. Um, AJ Brimson's back for the Titans. Uh, that's about it, though. I the Titans look confused. Like their their game plan at the moment is a mess. It really is, and it's not like you look at their team and say, "Well, they just don't have the cattle." They've got a bunch of state of origin players in there and like some some players that you know top five players in their position in the world um and you just look at it and it really is it's a mess and there's there's no application to the game and they just give up so easily and when they're on they're on and then they can just give up the ghost all of a sudden and it's game over and I have zero faith in Gold Coast Titans so I I'm gonna find it hard to tip them again this year. Yeah, they're, I mean, right now, the coach is now lost and he's now moving players around. So once they start doing that, you know, shifting the, the chairs on the bloody deck or sort of shit, um, you know they, they've got no idea and they're, they're trying to find a fluke. Mm-hmm. Tim Sheens used to do this all the time. Mm. You keep shuffling around the team lineup all the time and then when they win, you go, ah, that's the combination that will win all the time. So you select them next week and they lose again. You go, oh, we'll go back and move everyone around again. Exactly. And like how yeah. many calves combinations have, and like if you look at spine combina- combinations, which is more important for the Titans, like how many times have they played with the same spine this year? I bet it's like at most three times. That's a good question. Do oh, we have that technology? Could... I do have that technology here. Oh, shit. You should be a sad station, eh? I, I, well, I, I should. There's no reason why I shouldn't. <laughs> uh, let's have a look. Campbell, Smith, Sexton, Clark had one game together. Campbell, Brimson, Sexton, Clark have had two... Three, four, five. They've had six games together. Ah, see, that's the one I would have thought would have only had three. Yeah. And the rest have had, like, less than that. Man. Six? Yeah, six. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a mess, though. Yeah. But they've now not, they now don't know what they're doing with Brimson. It's yeah, that's it's a fullback, we don't know, and... Yeah, and, and like, either place he plays, he plays really well for them. So just yeah. fucking pick one of the places and let him play there. Yeah, I think at this stage, it's pretty clear that um, Campbell's going to be the fullback. So just leave him there. Like, don't fuck his development up while you're trying to chase wins this year. This year's this year's gone. So just yeah, totally. leave Campbell at fullback. Let him get used to that. Let him build those combinations from there. Leave Brimson at 5'8", so he can get settled there as well. And get yourself prepared for next year with those two working a lot better together when, you know, next season kicks off. 
that's the only way to look at it now. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, they just need a new coach. I tell you what, uh, kind of shocked Michael Maguire's not coaching them already. Like, I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, he'd be so. One good. of the, I think one of these clubs are going to pick him up soon. Um, the Sharks, interesting at the moment. The Sharks are able to score tries pretty comfortably, but their <laughs> goal kicking is dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> At eight tries on the weekend and three goals. Jeez, yeah, that's that's not good enough. That's not good. So enough. it's it's going to be fine for this part of the year, but when finals time comes around, they're not scoring eight tries in a game in the finals. They're going to need to get their goal king sorted out. Um, they had their hopes pinned on Nico Hines being their goal kicker. I think maybe they need to see if someone else can take over those duties. I don't know who. But they should probably see if there's someone else at the club who can do goal kicking because I don't think Hines is a first grade goal kicker at this stage. I think his no. goal kicking stats are 70%, which was great in 1912. That's what I was just thinking that. I was thinking like 70% even in the early 90s, you're probably the best goal kicker in the game. <laughs> oh, yeah, easy, easy. <laughs> um, what's he at this year? There he is. Um, so he's kicked 37 from 59 this year. So he's at 62% this year. Oh, that, yeah, that's not good. That's not good. That's poor. I mean, he's only kicking at, he's kicking at 60, 76 at the Storm, which is okay. Yeah, that's passable. Yeah, in this, this day and age, that's, that's passable. But, that, like, when you see it, – it's interesting when you see the teams that have really good goal kickers and then they've got – their backup guy is also a pretty handy goal kicker as well. It's just such a great advantage to have, you know. Um, oh, it is. And, and when you're missing that sort of quality goal kicker, I, I can see where it's overlooked and then it just is like, man, this is a big problem all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, and the thing for the, the Sharks at the moment too is 20 of their tries, 20 of their 55 tries have been scored by their wingers. So it means that Hines has taken all of his shots at goal, mostly from out wide. From out wide, yeah. yeah there's not many from in the middle or up front. So um, and you throw in Talakai's been scoring most of his tries at centre. Kennedy's usually always scores. He's out wide as well. They're the next two top try scorers. So that takes you to 31 of 55 tries out wide. Um, they're not making it easy for him. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's a problem. That's going to... Yeah, if that's what it's going to be, then either get a goal kicker or Hines has just got to get better. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, the evening game on Saturday sees the New Zealand Warriors under new coach Stacey Jones. Hasn't he turned them around? Uh, on And they've taken on the Penrith Panthers, the world champion Penrith Panthers, current premiers. Um, on palmerbet.com, the Panthers are at $1.05. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think they should be short of Palmer Bet. Come on, man. <laughs> that, that's good money. <laughs> that's that's really good money. Uh, the New Zealand Warriors are at $10. Wow. And the New Zealand Warriors have a 24.5-point head start. <laughs> that's, that seems short. <laughs> it kind of does. They're on $1.90. Short. The Panthers with the twenty-four and a half handicap are also at one dollar ninety. Um, I think that the Warriors are going to keep this game close, and then they'll kick it off, and it'll all be over. 
Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, it looks like um, young uh, recruit from the Roosters, Richard uh, Ronald Volkman, is going to be the 5'8". Mm-hmm. Um, and Harris Vita, not sure Johnson's been the one moved to the bench. Um, what the fuck is Sean Johnson doing at that club? Where they, I don't know. I, it's over, man. It's over. I think, I think Stacey Jones has probably decided, you know what? I reckon I can get him to improve his game. But if Stacey Jones can't get him to improve it in two to three weeks, it's time to go to France, Sean. Yeah, just go. They're like, yeah. go to Toulouse, okay? Exactly. I'll go yeah. with Corey. In fact, he wouldn't be... He wouldn't push Corey Norman out of that spot to lose. But anyway, it's just over for Sean Johnson. And they're fucked around Harris DeVita to the point where he wants to quit rugby league now. Uh, just the Warriors are a fucking mess. Yeah. Um, and they deserve a whipping this weekend. And I, they, their fans are just fucking over it as well. Like, it's interesting seeing Warriors fans. They're just, they've had enough of this bullshit. And, uh, you know, the Panthers are going to flog them in this game. If if it starts off bad, you could see the Panthers put up 60 pretty easily. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Nathan Cleary doesn't play the last 15 minutes of this one. I think they'll take him from the field. I'm serious. Like, I no, think I'm, I, wouldn't, the field. I would not be surprised. The thing I find interesting about this game is um, the Warriors have put a few decent big guys on the bench in Ali Katoa and Adam Fanua Blake. I want to say bench. I mean the extended bench. They're not in the 17. Oh, man. <laughs> um, leak them out, that'd be great. So they don't have much in the way of size in the middle after their starting forward rotation comes off. So I don't. I would be surprised after about 25, 30 minutes, Penrith might have only scored two tries. But I wouldn't be surprised after that if they just put on about fucking 15. Just have an avalanche. You know, the total points overs for this game is 42.5 points <laughs> at $1.90. Um, I think that is money in the bank, unless it's pouring rain. If it's pouring rain, I guess they're uh, playing up there on the Sunshine Coast. Um, I, don't, I don't think rain's going to be enough. Because Panthers <laughs> yeah. don't need to score tries from kicks. They can score just through good ball running. You know, the um, other thing is, too, the Panthers are a weirdly awesome uh, wet weather team, too. We've seen that. Yeah. They make the pass a stick. That's all you've got to do. Mm. Uh, yeah, Penrith by um, more than enough. <laughs> yeah, I think they'll cover that. <laughs> if they, <laughs> if Penrith alone don't cover the 42.5 points, I'd be really disappointed, hey? Like, I'd be, like yeah. if they score... 38 points against this Warriors team. I'm going to be like, what the fuck was that? You know, yeah. going to be... What happened? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the last game on Saturday sees the... And i got a question for you coming into this one. Sees <laughs> the Parramatta Eels, and they're at home. They're taking on the Sydney City Roosters. Roosters. <laughs> the Parramatta Eels. Hang on a second. How could you pick the Roosters already? They've got Roosters. Uh, Parramatta has fucking Mitchell Moses playing for them. He's can I pick the Roosters? Can I pick the Roosters twice to win this? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Palmerbet.com has the Parramatta Eels as favourites at one dollar eighty. I don't know why. The Sydney Roosters, and I'm guessing it's because Kiri's out, are at two dollars. 
The Sydney Roosters have a one and a half point head start in this one at one dollar ninety, while the one and a half point handicap will get you one dollar ninety for the Parramatta Eels. Now, I've got a question for you about the Parramatta Eels lineup, and and mm-hmm. when I say their lineup, they're just the club right now in general. Mm-hmm. Who is their most accomplished player? Accomplished, yeah. Um, I know it's a very vague question, but who would you say is their most accomplished player? It'd be probably Paula or Campbell Gillard, I guess. Okay. Now, I think the same thing. I probably lean towards Paulo, right? Mm-hmm. But very hard to choose between them. Now, let's take them aside because that's just pure origin, right? Who's the next one after them? Um, yeah. Mm, do you see where I'm going with this? It's it's going to be someone who's played for one of the Pacific nations. Yeah, so, or, like, or, or Reid Marnie, who's been in origin camp. <laughs> it was just so, Sevo, Blake, um, Neocore, Papali. And you know what I started thinking when I was watching them getting flogged on the weekend? When you start to have to factor in, like, well, I guess Gutherson was in the world World Cup of Nines, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, that Parramatta attack against the Dogs was the most pedestrian, boring bullshit I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminded me of watching the West Tigers at their worst over the last three or four years. It, it was so to. unimaginative, so pathetic. The amount of times they just threw crash ball after crash ball into the Bulldogs' defensive line on their own line, on the Bulldogs' line, and the Bulldogs shut it it down, one prop on another, shut it down with a one-on-one tackle. Mm -hmm. That happened so many times. That should not be happening. That was atrocious. And then you'd see they just throw the ball out to Moses and he kicks to the corner and you're going, the fuck is this? Yeah, Moses was... Absolutely terrible. And when you consider that Moses starts the seasons off really well and he kind of gets worse and worse, like where is he going to be by the end of the year? Uh, I wouldn't even play him in the NRL at all until round 18, round 19. (laughs) Actually, no, make it a bit later. Round 22, bring him into the first grade side and he's just going to be on fire. Paramount will win the premiership if they do that. They would. Uh, (laughs) Gutherson was Gutherson. He doesn't like contact. He's he was a, dog shit. Yeah, he he just doesn't like he doesn't like contact. He's, it's his only downfall in his game, apart from the lack of speed or skill. Um, <laughs> there's this Parramatta team has some issues. They're coming up against a Roosters team. Kiri, man, Kiri, that that head knock he took that switched him off last weekend was Boyd Cordner like it was. I mean, it yeah. was a bump, but it was it was a bump, man. It shouldn't have taken him out of the game. I don't think Kiri's omission is going to impact the Roosters as much as Palmer Bet thinks it will because they've been playing without him for a fair chunk of the last 18 months anyway. Mm-hmm. We'll just have Walker at seven, Hutchison at six. They've done that enough. Um, Watson's also there. Um, you also got Lachlan Lamb there. These guys have all played with Walker. They've all played with Tedesco. They've all played with Verrills. The combination's there already. I don't think it's going to hurt them at all by having Kiri out. I'm not saying that Kiri's 
you know, not a big loss. Of course he is. Mm. But I don't think he's as big a loss as people are going to think he is. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I, I would... I, Kiri hasn't played all that well this year. He's, he's not been terrible, but he just hasn't played as well as you would hope. And, he's and, not been able to, I suppose, get himself into games yet. You know, he's yeah. sort of still working his way back, I think. But the, And the thing is, too, like he... He just looks like a player that's going to get tapped on the shoulder by the, the Roosters. Um, but we'll see what happens with his head knock because it, it really was one of those ones where um, he needs to have a real think about his his footballing future and his future, you know, just as a person away from footy. I mean, he's earned plenty of money. It's not a money issue. No. And uh, I have a feeling he will be a really good assistant coach. Um, but, yeah, it, it was it was sad to see that. Um, look, I, this is the hardest game for me to tip. I don't know who I'm going for yet. I'm probably going to lean towards Parramatta just because you would hope that they would fire up. Um, and when the Roosters play a team that's fired up, they tend to, they don't really like it that much. So I've gone for Parramatta, but man, this is a 50-50 call, this one. I wouldn't argue with somebody that, pick the roosters because i could see why as well you know yeah no, i'm i'm very comfortable with the roosters this one. i i wouldn't be surprised if we see um manu and tedesco absolutely go to town with that mm. Parramatta edge defense is uh is joey manu the roosters best player and people don't acknowledge it because of how good james tedesco is uh i'd have to say very close to yes Mm, like it's a it's a really difficult one because Tedesco's amazing, but I I think that Manu as a centre is one of the best centres in the game. When he plays at fullback, the Roosters play they get different they'd get a different sort of player, but damn it, they don't lose anything. And man, I, whenever I see him play fullback for the Roosters, I'm like, this is a million dollar fullback. I don't know why another team hasn't gone like. If another team come in and said, we'll give you $1.2 million to play fullback for us, I would be like, yeah, that's a smart move. Yeah. Um thing I like about him is it doesn't matter what situation you put him in, his decision-making is almost perfect every single time. Mm-hmm. And um, he doesn't overplay his hand. He knows exactly what his abilities and where his strengths are, and he plays to them every single time. Um, he knows if he's got a player he's up against who's a, a good lateral mover. He won't try and run around them. Mm. What he will do is he'll put, you'll see him, he'll he'll move sideways a little bit to get them sideways. Mm-hmm. And then he'll run at them because while they're moving sideways, they're not coming forward. So there's no momentum. They can't put any shoulder or any power into the tackle. So as soon as he sees that, he'll straighten and he'll run straight at their shoulder and they'll be standing still. And that's his, he knows that that's his best way of getting through them. Mm-hmm. And then if he comes up against those guys who have, absolute fucking statues at the line. He'll just run around them. Yeah. And he's he figures this out so early in a game and just, you know, hits the fucking go button every time he needs to. Um, and if the defender, you know, is a good good enough defender to learn what he's doing and they cut it off, Manu's good enough to be able to set up his winger. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. And, like, I, I, I just love watching him play. And I tell you what, Suwali... I'm I'm like every single week I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of his. Like 
I, I would just have him walk into pretty much any team in the competition at this point. He's such a good player, um, really good in the oh, he's, def- he's definitely come along in the last month. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. He's got uh, a lot more confidence now. And, man, he's another player. It's going to be interesting because you've got Tedesco, who is on a million. You've got Manu, who's going to demand a million. And Suwali is not going to even come to the table for less than a million. And, like, how do you sort that out if you're the Roosters under the cap? I don't know that you can because I I can carry two of those dudes. I can't carry three of them. Um, And Suwali, I believe. It's it's the Roosters. Daniel Saluka Fafida has already gone to South. That's already freed up the the necessary (laughs) space in the cap. It's fine. That's $3.2 million cleared. Um, Straight away. Straight away. It's fine. Well, but here's the thing. Suwali, I'm pretty sure he can negotiate from November 1st this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you've got to give him a million. Because if I'm one of these clubs, like if I'm a club that has some salary cap space and I'm looking at this dude and I'm like, man, I just, I like, I say, say no to a million, dude. You know, you're nineteen. You're going to be nineteen next year. Say no to a million dollars now. I think if the Roosters are smart, they'll say to him, "Look, we will give you whatever money you want, but for the next two years, we're going to give you less than what you know you deserve. But we're going to move you into centre because that's where you that's where you belong. We're going to move you into centre. We're going to give you the opportunity to show us what you've got." We're going to give you more responsibility, more ball, more ball, more ball playing opportunity as well. Um, and yeah, we will definitely meet you with with what you want to negotiate with your next contract. We're going to give you two years at centre first because you're still very young. You got a lot of money to earn in that time, and we want you to be earning money from us. And, and I reckon if he's smart, he'll take that offer. You don't need to start earning a million dollars from the age of nineteen. You, I know it's don't. great if you can. Yeah. But, but what um, happens I think if, they get, if, if they say that to him and he says, well, listen, I've been offered $1.1 million from, I don't know, South. I know. Look, what they, what they can say, and this is a, a negotiation tactic any coach can use to say, I'm reminded of this great story about a young, very talented halfback that the Brisbane Broncos had. And he took a $1 million offer to go to the Gold Coast Titans. Do you know who he is and where he is now? He retired. Do you know what he did during before he retired? Fucking nothing. Now, we can look after you and make sure you have a career that lasts until you're 35, 36, and you can be earning a million dollars a year for at least 10 to 15 of those. Or you can take a million dollars for four years and turn, like, turn out to be crap like him. You pick. What he should do. <laughs> Here's what he needs to do. He needs to take like six fifty, right? Yeah. Six fifty a year, right? And just be able to take the bus to train in and play for the Penrith Panthers. That's what he needs to do. Okay. I think that that's the future for him. He's already he's from Penrith. I mean, everyone is these days. I don't know how weird is it? It's fucking strange what's going on. It's like it was, oh yeah, he's from Penrith. He's like Tamari Martin. Oh yeah, that's another Penrith one. You know. Anyway, um, actually, wasn't he a Tigers junior? Yeah, but he played for Penrith. 
Yeah, but he played for the Tigers first too. Yeah, but he played for Penn. <laughs> it's like, you know, you don't, you do, you don't get tomorrow. <laughs> you know, Zebo was a Penrith junior. Hmm? That's how weird's that? Like, there's What's so that? many. Sevo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, there's so many plays that come through that Penrith system at some point. It's just. It's crazy what's going on. Oh, it's really crazy. Anyway. Speaking of crazy, the yes. next game. Well, the next game, it is a Sunday afternoon rugby league feast. Uh, down there in the nation's capital, we will freeze your ass off if you go to the game. The Canberra Raiders will host you, though, and they will also host the Newcastle Knights. They used to be a first-grade team in the NRL. Now they're whatever the fuck they are now. So the Canberra Raiders on they, Trump, they are a husk. They're a husk. They're, they're like they're they're like a uh, they're a bunch of larpers. <laughs> they're a bunch of larpers. They run out and pretend they're football players. Um, okay, so the Canberra Raiders on PalmerBet.com, they're favourites at one dollar twenty six, and the Newcastle Knights larpers. They're at $3.90. The line has been set with the Newcastle Knights LARPers getting a 10.5-point head start at $1.90. The Canberra Raiders with 10.5-point handicap are also at $1.90. It's going to be freezing cold. Uh, People will get frostbite at this game. And I can't believe that the Knights haven't got a new coach yet. What the fuck are they waiting for? I don't know. I cannot see the Knights doing anything here. Um, when you think of atrocious attacking teams, you often think of the teams sitting at the you know bottom two or three places on the ladder. But the Knights this year, the Knights this year are scoring at under thirteen points a game, so they're just getting two converted tries a match. Um, even the last place Titans have scored sixty points more. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bulldogs have scored 30 points more. The Tigers have scored 20 points more. The Warriors have scored 80 points more. Oh, my God. Newcastle are dire in attack, and their defense is the third worst defense in the comp behind the Warriors and uh, the Titans. Yeah, but at least they, they don't try hard in games. They are dog shit. They really are. <laughs> they are dog shit. I look look at the, some of the scores they've had this year. They scored nil against Cronulla, six against Manly, two against Parramatta, two against Melbourne, twelve against Brisbane, six against Penrith last week. That's a <laughs> I mean, that's six six scores. That's all. That's half their scores this year, mm. and they're just they're just dire. Yeah, yeah. They and are hard to watch. Together, they still wouldn't have won last week's game. It's like no. It's crazy. Uh, let, let's let's go positive. Canberra Raiders. Um, apart from Corey Horsburgh, who's fucking terrible, they've had some of their youngsters come in who have really injected the side with some positive things. They try hard. They'll make mistakes, but they're trying to do positive things out there, which is good to see. And they've really turned things around from this Raiders team at one point, you would have put them in that Knights, Gold Coast Titans, Warriors sort of bar. Yeah. Now they're not. Now they're out of that, and we've got to give them credit for that. Yeah, they're, they're playing 
simpler footy, but it's smart footy as well. They're, they're playing very, very direct, very much through the middle as well, um, because let's face it, that's where their strength is. Um, yeah, they've won four of their last six games, and the two losses that they had were not disgraceful. They lost 28-20 to Parramatta and 24-18 to, to the Broncos, um, both top eight sides. So um, they've not been playing too badly. It's I think these conditions are really going to suit him there as well. Um, especially Elliot Whitehead, he's going to think it's summer. Yeah, he's going to be probably like... He'll have zinc sunburn. all over him and he'll be coated in head-to-toe bloody uh, sunscreen and zinc and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Everyone will be out there freezing their nuts off. Um, he'll get warmed up at halftime when he drinks a, a, a cup of gravy. They give him gravy <laughs> at halftime. That's right. <laughs> He will, but uh, yeah, I I think um, I think the Knights are completely done for this year. I asked a question on Twitter during the week, mm-hmm. and I said, "When are the media going to start going after Adam O'Brien?" The reason, I mean, it's almost a uh, you know one of those questions where you you know the answer already because mm-hmm. Matthew Johns and all his cronies make up ninety percent of the bloody media, and none of them are going to pick it apart of something that Matty Johns likes. How weird is it that, like, the Australian Rugby League media, there's maybe a dozen people and they're all shit at their – not all of them are shit at their jobs. There's a couple that are good. Um, but most of them are shit at their jobs. But what you hear from most of the shit ones? Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty poor. What are you looking at? I'm looking at a chart that I made up, looking at Knights coaches that I put up on Twitter. Oh, really? And they, they peaked halfway through Michael Hagen's term as coach. And then things started to go down just before he left. Brian mm-hmm. Smith come in and stabilised things. Mm-hmm. They didn't go up. They didn't go down. They just went stable. Rick Stone took over. It pretty much stayed stable. Wayne Bennett came in, stayed stable, dropped off a bit at the end. Rick Stone was given um, the hand grenade. Oh, yeah, wasn't he just? And then uh, Danny Badiris took over before Nathan Brown came in. The fucking hand grenade exploded. Yeah, but um, it was his daughter's fault, so... Yeah, that's right. You don't um, on Nathan Brown. But when Adam O'Brien came in, he had one season where he got things stable, but now he's declining at the same rate that Nathan Brown did when he first took over the Knights. Wow. And... That's the problem, is that Nathan Brown had an excuse. Mm. Adam O'Brien has no excuse. No, you got... so why, is, why is the fucking Knights going so shit and the media so quiet about it? Yeah, it is a, a little bit strange. Yeah. Um, it's interesting looking at them coaches. Remember before Hagen, they had Warren Ryan. And yep. Warren Ryan was a really weird decision to sign him, like, it was like a blast from the past. It was like, what the fuck's going on? And apparently he wasn't well liked by the Knights players because he probably didn't go out and get pissed with them. They like them sort of people. And um, he was one of those, he was also one of those coaches that um, he wasn't like a lot of the modern coaches where they're sort of mentors and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Ron and, Ryan said, you do this or I'll kick your fucking ass in. And they went, oh, we want to cuddle. You're not getting a fucking cuddle. 
Exactly, exactly. And he basically <laughs> and he went in and it was like, you, great, you throw the ball around everywhere, you can't fucking defend. So mm. and and Michael Hagen eventually Ryan leaves, Michael Hagen takes over. But it was the work that Warren Ryan had done with them that exactly. got Hagen his first premiership. Well, Hagen just proved what a coach he was with uh, the Knights, and then he moved up to Parramatta, and we saw how that fucking ended. Like, Michael, yeah. Michael Hagen can't coach. But there's always been this thing of, like, they want people in there to be the coach that they want to be friends with. Yeah. And it's like, you've got to get the fucking magic fucking kiss on the ring by the right people. I don't mean the ring on your finger, you fucking weirdos, you sick bastards. I know our listeners. <laughs> but the kiss on the ring from uh, the right people up there in Newcastle. And it ends up with them getting the wrong coaches. Yeah, look, I know I'm going to say this too. They were really smart with their first two coaches that they hired after Andrew Johns had made his debut. Okay, Because David Waite was coach there when, when Joey came into first grade. But they brought in uh, Mal Riley in 95. And Riley was a bloke who was able to... I mean, Brilliant footballer, there's no doubt about it. Um, and one of those very rare humans that was able to be a great footballer and a good coach as well. Because um, what he did is he, he got the forward pack doing the very basic stuff of laying a good platform and making Andrew Johns have a lot of space to move. Mm-hmm. And so he opened up Johns' attack, which wasn't hard to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just gave him more space. And once he got that sorted out and the success that came from that, Warren Ryan came in. Everyone was thinking, this is going to be bad. Warren Ryan was the best thing for Andrew Johns' defense. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why Andrew Johns is regarded as one of the best defenders. Warren Ryan knows defensive technique like nobody else. Mm-hmm. And he taught Joey how to be a great defender. And so by the time Hagen comes in, he's got Andrew Johns, the complete footballer. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's... Uh, it's it's a bad thing when, like, I always think that when a club is not great, but they love their coach, like, what the fuck's that all about? Well, that's you know? the Tigers with Tim Sheens. Yeah, and look, there's, look, Penrith, apparently the Pan- Panthers players, when they sucked under Matthew Elliott, they were like, yeah, he's a nice enough guy, you know? So, like, you don't want the coach to be a really nice guy. You want him to be a complete arsehole there and you win games. And oh, but he'll lose the dressing room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's it, it's weird how it all works out like that, hey? Yeah. Uh, so surely Adam O'Brien is going to – he's got to be the next coach to have his, his uh, head on the chopping board because his record has been dire. Um, the Knights have got one of the best attacking players in the competition in Kalen Ponga. And they are scoring fuck all points. Yep. And, and Pong's quite terrible for them too. Yeah. Um, it, you were you were in Canberra not that long ago. What's the best thing to see in Canberra? Um, the sign to my ass. See, I was going to say the sign that says you are now entering New South Wales. <laughs> so I knew yeah. you'd say that one. Yeah. Now. On to the last game of the round. Actually, I was going to say, I know, I know what it was, and that was when you went to the zoo there and you saw the sign for admission. 
why is it oh it's expensive hi hey? <laughs> yeah it's fucking expensive yeah i remember i didn't even, actually i didn't actually go to the canberra zoo because it was so expensive they even charged us a gold coin for our son who was a baby at the time <laughs> <laughs> he's not even gonna see he's asleep in a pram he's not even walking on your path that's funny what so, are you charging I, him for <laughs> i was gonna go and i think they've got a thing where you can either you can get your picture taken with a white tiger or you can get a picture taken with um, a cheetah. And I was going to get my picture taken with a cheetah. And when I was yep. asked why, I was like, well, the, the thing is this, if the white tiger comes out and it decides to grab you, the people that are with the white tiger are just witnesses of the coroner's inquiry, right? That, that's right. You're not stopping that thing. Yeah. A cheater is going to hurt you, but I reckon I could I could fuck up a cheater. <laughs> I reckon I could punch the fuck out of a cheater to a point where it at least says this is not worth my effort, you know. Yeah. But a tiger, it, it's it's a wrap. It does if let's, that tiger just is like, yeah. If if we're talking perfect killing machines in the animal world, a tiger is going to be very very high, if not first on that list. Okay, so so. If you had to choose between a tiger, a grizzly bear, or a polar bear, okay, and here's the last one, or an elephant, who would you pick? As the ultimate killing machine. As as like the we're gonna we're gonna put them all in a in a like a stadium with high yep. fences. Yep. Last and animal wins. Last animal standing wins. Who would you pick? Yeah, I'm I'm going to go the tiger. Really? I'm going the elephant, hey? Well, the elephant is, I think that's a an easy choice because of the size. Mm. But that tiger's got the agility and it still has all that sharp pointy shit going on as well. True, but uh, like, have you ever seen the videos of the elephants, uh, like, tossing around, um, like uh, rhinos and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's crazy how strong they are. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, now, back to our footy podcast. The last game of the round is on Sunday evening. <laughs> Strap in for this one, ladies and gentlemen. You don't want to miss <sighs> this one. The Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs are hosting the Western Suburbs Tigers. And <laughs> I love calling them weird things. In the head-to-head, the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs are favourites on palmerbet.com. They're at $1.80. They take on the Western Suburbs Tigers, who are at $2. The Western Suburbs Tigers have a one-and-a-half-point head start. They're at $1.90. And with the one-and-a-half-point handicap, the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs are also at $1.90. Andrew, who are you going for in this game? Obviously, I'm picking the Tigers, but uh, I'm confident that the Bulldogs will win this. Um, Same here. The Tigers bench is the most confused-looking thing I've ever seen. Well, they've got I mean, two two five eights sitting on the bench. You can never have enough five eights. <laughs> I I don't I if don't got... know. Why? If you've got three five eighths inside, what does that actually make them in terms of a percentage? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know, eh? Uh, 
That's that's bad. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I don't. It's one of the most confusing lineups. So, Nofaloom is still there. Um, he's the most clueless defender as, as a winger goes. You'll ever find. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just basically, you know, when you you play rugby league on the computer game. Yes. But sometimes it glitches and the wingers just run around in circles. That's Nofaloom. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes he's in, sometimes he's out, sometimes he's up, sometimes he's down, sometimes he's not where he should be, sometimes he is. It's a it's an absolute crapshoot with that fella. Um, Ken Malmelo had a very, very good game, despite the Tigers being pretty poor last week. Um, it looks like they're starting to steer their attack more in his direction, which is a very smart thing to do, because um, he's a much stronger uh, ball runner as well. Um Musgrove wasn't too bad. Tua Lungi's um, pretty handy. Offerhand Gowie was okay-ish. Um, I must be. I'm not too upset about Luciano Lolua going because he's been okay this year, and I mean that's enough to make him probably the Tigers' best player this year. But on in the game against Manly, he was fucking atrocious. Oh really? He was just doing. Leilua brain snaps. I was looking at going, is fucking Joey out there? <laughs> My guess is he probably knew it was... Because uh, he, like, he's, he he's already been gone now for a few days, so... And look, he's, just his brother think. probably told him how much the contract was worth to him. He's probably gone, fuck, I'm going to be on like $37 billion a year now. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I pay you for three $3.50 an hour? Um, Brent Naden obviously copped a four-week suspension for his spear tackle. On uh, Jake Dravojevic, that thing looked ugly. And he, yeah. I think he's a bit lucky to get away with four weeks. I thought he'd get two months out. Yeah. I mean, look, obviously it was an accident. The first thing Naden did is he looked over to check on Dravojevic to make sure he's okay, and he apologised to him on the ground, um, which was the right thing to do because it also disarmed any, you know, fucking fighting and stuff that would have happened. Everyone realised straight away that he knew he fucked up, mm-hmm. and he apologised straight away. Thankfully, Jack Travoyevich was completely unharmed by it, yeah. um, but it looked bad. It was one of those ones where the head seems to drive into the ground, and yeah. you know we saw the worst version that was with Alex McKinnon. It had a very similar look to it with the way there wasn't the same force, obviously, but the angle was kind of similar. It just looked ugly, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's. I, I thought he'd get at least six weeks. Yeah, and yeah. You know, for a spear tackle, you probably should be getting six weeks as a minimum. I think four weeks is a bit pissy, to be honest. So, so do I, especially when it's uh, there's a difference between a player grabbing someone's leg and lifting it a bit high, and they go past the horizontal, and lifting someone up so that they're the you know a one eighty from where they were a second before, yeah. and their and, hands driving into the ground. And as I mentioned with McKinnon, we've seen what happens when those tackles go wrong. Yeah, and like McKinnon's one wasn't even like the the if you had to show someone what a spear tackle kind of is, you would show them the Jared McCracken one, which was exactly exactly which is crazy. Was... McKinnon's one was kind of like a it was like he was low to the ground and his his leg was dragged up, and then he he's is a a consequence of that his head started going down, and then there was a driving force behind it because there was like three or four plays in that tackle. Yeah. It was it was the driving and the tackle more than the actual being tilted up sort of thing because yeah yeah exactly, exactly driven in the wrong angle it was 
the mechanics of that one was was just uh, all horrible. It was only going to end in one bad way. Yeah. You kind of had a bad feeling the minute you saw it take place. You went, "Oh, that looked yeah. bad." Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's he's lucky with that one. Um. A little was. Uh, I'm I'm you know, I'm done with little. Yeah. I'm out on him, man. Yeah. Uh, his service from dummy half, pedestrian. Um, you know what's weird to me is that they they groomed him to be in this role, and he's he finally got the role, and this is kind of what has turned out in it. They should have seen this enough of this in the lower grades to know that this is where it was going to end up. Yeah, he's just. They need, you know, the Tigers have been more than loyal enough to him through all the injuries he's had, which have been horrible and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he should be very lucky that the Tigers decided to keep giving him contracts despite him missing most of those, you know, he barely played in most of those contracted seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, the club's now got to say, you know what, we've looked after you pretty well, but we're confident now that you're not the right fit. And we need to go in a different direction. Um, thank you and goodbye. Um, the club doesn't owe him anything. They can let him go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of plays in that Tiger side, especially in the front row. Um, or even, and, and Joe Offer and Gary as well need to pull their finger out, run hard, run straight. Don't worry about fucking offloading. Run yeah. hard, run straight for 80 minutes. When you're defending your line, fucking make tackles that stick. Yeah. It's simple stuff. They just don't do it. Even the little one agrees. He does. <laughs> Tell me the West Tigers talk that stirs him up. It really is. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. He's like, Dad, I've heard enough of this shit already. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure the listeners do feel the same way too. <laughs> so you're going for you're obviously going for the Tigers, but you wouldn't be shocked if they're That's right, yeah, I'm going for the Tigers on that one. But yeah, I expect them to lose. <laughs> now, let me just check the NRL website. I want to see if they've got the the international matches up. Queensland Maroons women's? They don't. Uh, I've got the squads here for it. So they've got the the New Zealand women will be playing the Tonga women. The New Zealand women have named their team, but the Tongan women's side hasn't been named yet. Okay. Um, the men's squads have been named. Um, I was looking at the New Zealand squad. The New mm-hmm. Zealand squad looks really good. It's probably their best team that they've named for many, many years. A lot of depth, uh, a lot of form players in there, and uh, a lot of experience too. It's a really good mix. The Tongan side looks absolutely stacked. And all I could think of when I looked at these teams was that England has no idea that most of these players exist. Um, they, I, I, I th- will obviously look at the World Cup uh, when we get to the end of the NRL season, and we'll like we'll obviously be podcasting right through the World Cup. But um, when we go through the draw, I, I 
England's going to be really flat out going anywhere in the tournament. And it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, that, that Kiwi team with mm. Jerome Hughes at halfback, mm-hmm. that's a very, very strong team. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one for me that when you think about him at halfback, you know, if if they have four and at five eighth, he'll do a job. You know, he's not going to set the the world on fire, but just all of that experience between them. Um, yeah, you know, and their forward pack is great. They've got some really handy outside backs. You know, Australia, we know they're going to put out a really good team. Uh, I would like Australia to get a couple of games under their belt in the warm up to the World Cup because I think they need it. It's been so long since they've played, and there's a lot of new combinations that'll be in their their team. But yeah. I tell you what. Tonga looks amazing. Tonga looks just incredible. Yeah. They're going to be tough. Yeah. They're going to be really tough. Um, um, the Astra- Samoa and Cook Gollis teams haven't named their sides yet. No. I, I saw neither somebody, has Papua New Guinea. Sorry. Sorry. I, was, I saw somebody saying that the, there were a few of the players that could have played for Samoa have elected to play for New Zealand instead which doesn't shock me because the, the Samoan setup has been a bit of a basket case for a long time. Now. I mean, that's been going on for years, though. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if um, players who are cut from the Kiwi side decide to jump back to Samoa. Yeah. Um, yeah it sucks a bit that the system's like that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Yeah, it's it's terrible that it's that way. Um, I wish it wasn't, but what can you do? Like, there's only so much you can say about the way that players pick and choose the teams that they play for. But, um, yeah, it's it it's going to be really cool to be able to watch all of those rep games leading into the Origin on Sunday night. Um, and, yeah, we, we all get to cheer on Tonga again. It's going to be bloody awesome. No, I fully agree. It's... Um... I've also got the Fiji team was named today. They're, they're looking reasonably competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously a very fast and attack-minded side. Mm-hmm. Um, I am mostly keen to watch Papua New Guinea play, though. I don't know why. I just love watching them like Papua New Guinea play. I don't care yeah. who they play against. I don't care. What, I don't even look at the scoreboard. I just want to watch them playing <laughs> football. <laughs> I would love I would love to see how they would go against Tonga because Tonga's such a big mobile side and the Papua New Guineans are a little bit shorter in stature, most of them. And but they are like they're all, you know, cut out of bloody wood. Like they're just the, the hardest people on planet Earth, Papua New Guineans. It's amazing. And they just throw themselves into a game so relentlessly and to see those two sides play against one another, it's like how does that how does that work out? It'd be amazing. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely. Um so that's the preview done for this weekend, thanks to Palmerbet. Yes, thank you, Palmerbet. Remember everyone, gamble responsibly. Exactly, exactly. Don't do any of that irresponsible gambling. No, no. You don't like James Hooper, you don't want that. <laughs> Jesus. Um Allegedly. <laughs> Now, it's been a good episode, Andrew. Um, 
we'll probably do another episode in the next couple of days. We might just talk about footy, hey? We can do that. I was actually going to say there was one other news item for today. Oh, what was it? Four more teams have been added to the NRLW for 2023. I saw this. This made me angry. The Canberra Raiders. Good, that's a good West, one. Yep, the West Tigers. That's a bad one. The Cronulla Sharks. That's a bad one. And the North Queensland Cowboys. That's a good one. Can you tell me? Okay, I was going to say, actually. Go on. The Sharks one, I don't mind because when they first set up the NRLW, it was the Sharks and the Bunnies that did so much of the groundwork and had such good, strong teams, and they both got overlooked initially. That was criminal. So I don't mind the Sharks being in there. I see no reason to have any more Sydney teams other than the Sharks in there. We've got South in there already. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't need Parramatta. We could have just had a team out either West Tigers, Penrith Way, if we wanted to have a Western team. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Raiders Cowboys definitely need to be there. The Warriors should never have been cut. They need yep. to be brought back in. Yep. Um, yeah, we should be looking to go wider, not just follow the NRL sides. Yeah, it just is the most unimaginative shit in the world. And, like, we've been complaining that there's too many Sydney clubs in the NRL for forever, you know. Mm. Going back to the friggin' 70s. And what do they do when they've got a chance for a clean slate? They just do the exact same shit. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's not even like you can say, well, they, they picked the Roosters, they picked Manly, they picked... Cronulla and Penrith, and you say, well, that's, you know, north, south, east, west covered. They're just fucking doing the same shit. You've got a team that's in Cronulla, and they're a five-minute drive from the team that's at St. George. What the fuck? Yeah, the St. George team, they didn't need it. They didn't need the, the Roosters team. You could have had Cronulla and South just to say thank you for all the hard work they'd done. They can cover south and central part of Sydney. Put a team on the west if you need to. It's a big corridor, so I'm, sh- I'm sure it'll be fine. But that would be it. Three teams in Sydney. Yeah. And you cover a big population there. Then you'd start looking at, yes, North Queensland, Brisbane, New Zealand, Melbourne. All right? You're getting towards, what, eight teams already there. You don't need 16. No. And the other thing eight. is, too, like I, I look at the landscape of, Sydney and its rugby league clubs. I'm thinking to myself, okay, so where where would we put a team for a women's competition that needs to be in an area that's very much rugby league centric and stuff, and a club that's going to work well with it? And I'm like, okay, Penrose, you know, it's got all the facilities. Like, the, it's just, just turn the switch on and where you're going. Instead, they give it to the West Tigers, who haven't got a fucking base. <laughs> And when they do, they're saying, well, we want to be at a Concord. It, it, it makes zero fucking sense whatsoever. I, I don't understand why they're doing it. And I said it on Twitter and I had people saying, well, you've got to have teams that already have fan bases and stuff like that. No, you fucking don't. Just, I don't even think these teams should be named after NRL clubs. Call them their no, own you don't thing. need them. You could yeah. have had um, Central. Western Sydney, Southern Sydney, mm-hmm. Northern Sydney, if you feel that there's a need for it there. 
Brisbane, North Queensland, Melbourne, you know, some of those are going to sound the same because obviously they're representing a large region. They're not just, you know, representing suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's all you need to do. You, you can do the four corners of, or, you know, four, three or four centres around Sydney would be more than enough. You don't need to go stupid on it. Yeah. It's not because there may not be enough players there. I don't think that's going to be an issue, especially moving forward. The NRLW is obviously getting a lot of um, eyeballs on the game and a lot of attention with female players, which is a great thing. Um, doesn't mean, though, you need to just flood the market with as many teams as possible so everyone can play. Mm. You just build reserve grade and have the proper structures in place all the way through so that we get the absolute cream of the crop of the top grade, which is exactly what we used to do in the NRL prior to the whole lower grade system being completely cut off and treated like shit. Yeah. It used to all be under the same roof and it used to have a proper system that everything followed. If you don't believe me, listen to Feel Good bang on for fucking ages about it. <laughs> it's all he ever does. <laughs> oh, I'm glad we got that out of our systems. That's right. I had to get that out. Um, the other thing too, which you told me about, mm-hmm. was... The um, I know I'm going to upset someone here. I think he's asleep. The um, Chairman Lee was asked to go on another podcast. Um, <laughs> he ended up getting pretty pissed off about it, refused. Yeah, look, I, ju- I, I clicked out of the – I had it all set up on my computer and I clicked out of it like 20 minutes ago. What was it? Was it the West Life podcast, I think it That's was? That's the one, yeah. Yeah. yeah Rob McCarr at the West Life uh, podcast. Yeah, and uh, asked Chairman Lee to come on, and Chairman Lee blew up at him in a in a text message, and said that basically he, uh, you know, why would he go on there and give his podcast more oxygen, and you know he's not even a, a paid up member of the club, he's just a fan, and why would he talk to somebody that's not a member of the club, and that and he said that you can post this because I know you'll post this online, and so he did post it online. And it was very, uh, very. It felt very personalised and very emotional and childish. It, it really did. This it is the really thing did. that I find that's happened a lot at the Tigers uh, in the past. Um, is they've got this within the club. If you, I'm sure it happens at other clubs. If you criticise the club in any way. They'll come out and they'll call you a so-called fan. Tim Sheen's actually used that term once when he was coach, called mm-hmm. the people who were critics of what was going on in the club as so-called fans. Said a true supporter would follow us and no matter what through the tough and the thick and the thin and all sort of stuff. We're like, we are supporting you. What we're pissed off about is supporting a team that is constantly losing and we're getting passionate and we're trying to tell you things that we think would help improve it so it would be successful. If that's not the sign of a genuine hardcore fan, then what is? Mm-hmm. A person who sits there and goes, oh, we lost again. Hooray, I love my team. How is that a passionate fan compared to one who wants to see you succeed? And I'd compare it to being a parent. If you've got a child and they're six years old and shooting heroin, you just go, well, at least they're alive. Aren't they great? Hooray. Going, that's not good. We don't want that. We want them to be good and successful and strong and great at what the, everything they do, and we want them to be that way forever. That's what we want our sports teams to be like. It mm-hmm. takes more passion to be angry and pissed off when your team shit, but you still keep following it. That's or, true passion. 
Yeah. Also, by the way, these fucking sporting organizations are multi-million dollar businesses. If you don't want to give your money to these cunts, keep it. Your money is way better in your pocket than it is subsidizing some fucking football team that can't even be bothered to run out there and put a decent product on the field once every decade. You know, fuck this guy saying, oh, you're not a real supporter unless you're paid up member. How about fuck that shit? You know, you can love a club and not be a paid up member of the club. You can be putting money through the gates and not be a member of the club. You know, it's this idea that, well, unless you're throwing good money over bad towards us to not make the finals for the last 10 years, then you're not a real fan. Fuck off. I used to be pissed off about that with the Panthers because they used to pull some of that same shit too. When they were a terrible football team, they were coached by a terrible coach and you'd bring it up and they'd be like, oh, you've got to be a paid-up member. It's like, why would I pay any money into this shit? It's a fucking bad investment. All you do is you piss me off every fucking weekend. <laughs> How about make the finals, you fucking cunts? Very well said. Very well said. Um, I think that pretty much gets all of that out of it the does. system. We're all good now. We've had a purge. Yeah, true. One other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, rugby league in the United States. A little, little bit of stuff happening there. You know, a lot of stuff. I'm not taking sides on anything. Okay. I've not heard anything. What's going on there? Just, just, you know, they've got the, they've got fucking 27 different fucking organizations that want to run the thing and all sorts of that's bullshit. always that's always been the case. <laughs> I know. I, I'm I'm looking at it from afar. Okay. Right? I, I I haven't got a dog in this fight. Mhm. I get a really hardcore grifter vibe. <laughs> I, it this feels like there's a lot of fucking grifting going on. And it's like the, I know, I, I've always said, rugby league people in the United States are just as important as any other rugby league people. The fact that they play this weird game, and all that's, and that none of their friends play or even know or are fucking confused with rugby union, God bless all of them, the real rugby league people. But around them, trying to grab headlines are grifters. We need yes. to get the grifters out of rugby league in the United States. They need to be called out by people in rugby league in the United States, we need to get rid of the grifters. That's all I want to say. How would we go about that? Well, we need people that are real rugby league people that are doing the actual rugby league work and that they, they didn't turn up. You know, they've been rugby league people. They're trying to keep the game running. They need to come out and start speaking up on behalf of themselves and the game itself in the United States and say, you know what? This is some grifting shit. This is what we're doing. Can I ask a question of you? Yeah. I'm talking baby steps here, not big steps. With an actual he, baby. Go on. He, he knows what I'm about to say. <laughs> Do you think Justin Potato would be an upgrade on the Grifters? See, he knew. If if I found out he was involved in who was it that remember the United States team? They qualified mm-hmm. for the World Cup at one point, 
and then they had a coach that went in. It might have been Matthew Elliott. It was either him or that fucking Brian uh, Brian McDermott. Neither of them can coach, by the way, especially Brian McDermott. But remember, they stepped in and just replaced all the American, actual American players with blow-ins and played in the World Cup. Yes, and that was the World Cup in England. Yeah, that shit really pissed me off. And it pissed off all the people in rugby league in the United States too. Yes, because they had a bunch of American Samoan players. <laughs> yeah. Um, we need American rugby league to stand up for itself. And we need to get rid of the grifters. That's all I can say. As a, 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 you know? Anybody that's in rugby league in the United States that wants to come on the podcast and stand up for the game, you can come on the podcast because fucking grifters need their, they need to be called out on it. And it's up to you guys. Here, here. I'm all for that. Didn't know I was going to bring that up, did you, Andrew? No, because I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, fight up. Fuck it. Why not? Well, tack it on the end. People yeah. will be surprised to hear all that. Yeah. Anger at the end of the episode. That's great. <laughs> People really seem to enjoy it when I'm angry. Hey, it's weird. You don't get very angry very often. No, I don't. Compared to what people probably used to think, hey. <laughs> yeah. It's the, uh, I don't I don't know what it is. Neither do I. Don't I. Know. They just think you're violent. Yeah. Fuck those people. I'll put their head through a fucking wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a good episode, Andrew. Indeed it has. Indeed it has. Um, I guess at this stage we should probably wrap it up. Thanks for yep. tuning in, everyone. Thanks, Darcy, for your interjections. <laughs> You're welcome. And uh, <laughs> you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pub or on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and MySpace. Check us out on all of those. Thank you to Palmerbet. Yes, yes, that's right. That's our baby for uh, gamble responsibly. <laughs> and we'll catch you all later. <laughs> Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858.